Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy? Or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yes! 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 What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go in the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. Well, I, yeah. got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio. You can get more at ApologiaStudios.com, A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A Studios.com. That's where you go to get all the past episodes. You get uh, over 300 radio and uh, podcast episodes of Apologia Radio for a long period of time. You mm -hmm. also can go there and sign up for All Access and partner with Apologia Church as we bring the gospel around the world. Um, and you can do that by signing up for All Access. When you do, you get access to all of our TV shows, all of our after shows, and you get access to Apologia Academy. We are dropping new academies very, very soon on a deep study on the law of God. Very excited about that. You can go and listen to studies we've had with Douglas Wilson, Dr. James White. You've got stuff there from John Sampson, just all kinds of really, really great and helpful stuff, content. Uh, uh, just it's to go check it out. Uh, but when you also partner with us through All Access, you make everything that we do possible. Whatever comes up here on all these channels, trust me, Apologia Studio is making that happen. And uh, it's only happening because of your partnership uh, with this ministry. So we're grateful for all of you guys who have been with us for even years partnering with us in this ministry. This is the gospel heard around the world. I am Jeff Durbin. They call me the ninja. That's Zach Attack right there. What's up? He is the director of communications for End Abortion Now. And where can people go for End Abortion Now to get connected? What's that look like? EndAbortionNow.com is where you go to sign up your church and get free resources and training. Uh, if you need to reach me or if you have questions about anything, uh, Zach at endabortionnow.com is my email address. Love to speak with you. And that is Joy the Girl. Hello. And Joy the Girl does a podcast with Summer Yeager. It is called Sheologians. You guys should definitely, definitely, definitely check that out at Sheologians.com. Sheologians.com. You can also go to ApologiaStudios.com and you can check it out there as well. Get access to it all there. And I want to point everybody to a very, very uh, recent, really cool thing that just happened here at Apologia Studios, and that is our new show that we have. It's called Cultish. Uh, do that show with Jeremiah Roberts. He's a deacon at Apologia Church, and I've known him for over 20 years. He is an amazing man of God. He has a big, big passion to reach people who are lost in the cults. So the show is called Cultish. Again, you can get that at ApologiaStudios.com. Very important, uh, last three episodes we did with Lindsay Davis. Uh, she defected from Bethel. And um, if you want to know what that's all about, you can check it out right now at ApologiaStudios.com. Uh, right now, uh, Cultish, well, at least for last I checked was like number six or number nine in the, odd, uh, yeah. the iTunes uh, podcast rankings. Uh, we even surpassed Bill Johnson. How you like them apples? Um, go figure And that so, one. yes, Cultish is there. You guys can go check it out. You can download it on iTunes and all the rest of those podcast catchers or whatever they are. Um, and so, yeah, so we're also going to be dropping the actual footage, the film of that interview right here on Apologia Studios on YouTube. So if you want to see the actual video of that, uh, that's coming very, very soon. Our, our guys are working hard on that. And mm. so that's what's up. All kinds of things happening. Very important. Go check that out. Uh, uh, that yeah. episode of Cultish, those three episodes of Cultish, very, very informative, very, yeah. very important. Um, don't miss so, it. Don't miss it. Very good stuff. Everyone's really enjoyed that. And they said it was very eye-opening for them. So Lindsay Davis, 
just defected from Bethel and God's done a lot of work in her life. And so I encourage you to go listen to those episodes. Here we go. We're back. And today we are engaging with something we actually, we're very excited. Three of us are excited about this because this is something near and dear to all of our hearts. Um, atheism is stupid. Hashtag. It is. It is. Atheism is stupid. Um, and I mean that in the Make classical. All warm and <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah. And I mean that in the, the most classical t- sense of the term. In the biblical sense. In the biblical foolish. sense. It's foolish. Right. It is stupid. It is, it is an exercise in futility and ignorance. That's not saying that I'm attacking all atheists as idiots and stupid. I'm saying atheism as a worldview is foolish. It is ignorant. It is uh, truly classically foolish. It is blinded to uh, the obvious decay of its own claims and the obvious foolishness of its own claims. And so we love to engage with atheism. We do have a public debate, uh, um, three-on-three debate we did in uh, California at the Bonson Conference a couple years ago. Cy Ten Bruggenkate and I were a part of that as well. And, uh, and so you can go check that out. It's online right now. I think it's close to a million views online. Uh, we've done tons of shows on atheism. We have interacted some with some of Lawrence Krauss's claims. But um, I just saw a clip come across uh, with Joe Rogan, who I really, really love. I love Joe Rogan. Yeah. I listen to his podcast. I do. I think he's an he's excellent at what he does. He's a great interviewer. Um, I I have a I have a passion for Joe Rogan. I love the man, um, and uh, I would love the opportunity to be able to sit down with Joe Rogan to engage on some of these issues. I, I think he would handle it really, really well. I think we would enjoy ourselves together. I think we'd have a good time together talking about these things. And I have noticed over time. Um, as Joe Rogan has articulated some of his experience with DMT, the drug DMT, it seems like Joe Rogan even has opened up himself to the idea that there's more uh, than, than meets just the, the material eye. world. It's yeah. not just the material world. And, and it's sad to say that, you know, the drug experience has led him to that. But I, I would love to be able to have an opportunity to talk with Joe Rogan about God, about the spiritual, about transcendence yeah. and those sorts of things. And I think we'd have a wonderful time. It would be a respectful dialogue. I think we would both enjoy ourselves. So it, just with that said, it, people have been trying this for some time, trying to get a time for Joe Rogan and I can, to get connected to talk. Um, tweet him. Uh, send him out stuff. Uh, ask him to get me on the show with him so we, he and I can have a great conversation together. I think it would benefit... Uh, a lot of people and i think we'd really enjoy ourselves i really love joe rogan i do you know one thing i i miss about joe rogan is fear factor yes that was one of my favorite yes. shows ever and yes. then they brought it back for a little bit and then it got dropped but yeah, yeah i thought that was the coolest show yeah it was, it was, it was, was little until you know? the bugs the bugs were yeah not when i was i mean we're the same age ish basically and uh yeah i just that point in my life i was you don't not do bugs on that the, scale <laughs> no no no. I, the, and honestly some bugs are okay but the cockroaches are really what yeah did you that's, that's a no-no yes that's a nerp salad yeah, right there yeah. that's right anything anything that had to do with poop was what got me yeah that's what got me <laughs> yeah, it was the eating ones yeah, that were yeah the, that was that was it so speaking of Joe Rogan and Lawrence Krauss Lawrence Krauss was a professor at ASU um and um a physicist and uh, he st- I think he was part of starting the Origins Project project at ASU. So he's done uh, a lot of stuff with Lawrence Krauss, sorry, um, with uh, Richard Dawkins. Uh, so he's a well-known atheist and um, he did a... We, have, we wanted him to come on this show so many times, Yes, he just wouldn't. Yeah, we actually, I did communicate with Lawrence Krauss at one point. Uh, he wouldn't know who I am, um, so I'm not saying like we're buddies or anything, but I did get to communicate with him at one point a long time ago and, and asked him to be on the show, and it was looking like it would happen, but ended up not actually happening, uh, which was unfortunate. We would love to have him on the show. He'd be treated with respect and graciousness and all those things, but I think it's an important conversation to have. So we thought we could play through this clip of Joe Rogan and Lawrence Krauss talking about religion and uh, we'll just interact with it it's just it's a great it's a great opportunity for us to actually communicate the christian worldview and truth um as we're sort of listening in on two guys talk about how 
religion is is bankrupt or you know mm-hmm. wrong or immoral or stupid uh, themselves. And so let's let's do that. Let's get into it right away. It's just a 12 minute clip. We'll try to get through all of it that we can. I do want to also say um, scheduling for today. Uh, Dr. White is a member of Apologia Church, and I had no, I, I, I didn't plan on actually doing the live broadcast of Apologia Radio at the same time as the dividing line. It's not a competition, y'all. It's not a competition, <laughs> and I'm going to say to Dr. White, brother, I'm sorry, um, um, but it's the only time we can do it. Uh, we'll try not to never, we'll never ever let this happen again. Um, <laughs> we okay, so <laughs> that's just a word to Dr. White. All right, so here we go. Uh, Joe Rogan and Lawrence Krauss on religion. You can check this out yourselves at the Joe Rogan University fan channel. And that is on YouTube. Uh, don't check it out right now. Just hang with us now because we're going to start moving through it. You guys stop me whenever you want. Social beings may be found that, you know, if, if they imposed some meaning on the universe, on a universe which otherwise is hostile and dangerous, that maybe it might help bind them in tribes, that maybe mm. it would help might make them happier about being alive early on because they might be so scared of a universe that wants to kill them all the time that it would embolden them. So there's obviously an evolutionary... Can we stop? Yes. I know it's awful, awful early into the clip, but... you feel free. There's a foundational worldview assumption already smuggled in there that he's adopting as he's telling the narrative of history. And this is something that atheists do quite a bit. The universe is hostile. Mm -hmm. It's chaotic. Mm -hmm. And therefore, man uh, imposes meaning and morality Mm -hmm. from his own knowledge and experience on it in order to harness it and control it. That's foundationally an atheistic presupposition because if the universe isn't the handiwork of a good creator God who has inherently endowed the creation with purpose, with that meaning, with that morality, and were to recognize that with his revelation as the source of those things, right? His gracious condescension through his word. If that's not the case, uh, then you have a chaotic universe in which you have to impose meaning upon and your body has to be a neutral entity that you impose meaning upon, which means you can do whatever you want with it Mm -hmm. and you can do whatever you want with the uh, created world Mm -hmm. because it's yours. There's Mm -hmm. no, um, everything becomes contractual, right? Which is where social contract comes from and those things. It's not God creates and therefore this universe bears the mark of the creator, and therefore he gets to define the terms of how this thing works, mm-hmm. right? He tells us, he reveals how the world works and the laws and the structures that uh, Krauss relies on in order to do physics mm-hmm. in the first place. God reveals all of that. And so we have to live in accordance with that in order to operate in the field that he is a part of. Right. And at the very beginning of the show, if you listen to the first two and a half minutes, he says, well, I wish the universe wasn't this way, but it is. And so we just have to do it. We have to, we have to work with it this way. Right. Well, there's a reason that um, I believe you, speaking out of both sides sides of his mouth, he wants it to be that way because then he can do physics. Right. But he doesn't (laughs) because it's an orderly structure that's dependable. And there's uniformity that he has to depend on in order to do physics. And he might say all day long that it's not faith in order to assume that the future will be like the past. But it is a faith commitment Mm -hmm. every time that he does physics. That's right. And so... That's just something I would say jumping off is automatically there's atheistic assumptions smuggled into his explanation mm-hmm. of the origins of the universe. Yeah. And, and you have to recognize it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is really important for those of you guys that are new to this kind of engagement with atheism. This is critical to get, of course, the smuggling in of the atheistic presuppositions, but also the theft of Christian presuppositions smuggled in as well. Yeah. Uh, presuppositions that don't belong to Lawrence Krauss. You have to consider for a moment now, not just what's on the surface, what's just being claimed, but you have to get underneath that and ask the question, well, what does this man actually believe about himself and us, others, and the universe itself? He believes that all of us are cosmic accidents, that there's no justice above any of us. There's no ultimate meaning and purpose and value to really anything in the universe, much less human beings, which are just one more aspect of this accidental universe. There's no difference difference between snails, horses, rocks, dogs, and humans in his position. So we are no different than space dust. 
in his position. Now, he might want to value human beings, right. but that's just something, again, like you said, he's imposing upon others. It's a faith commitment that he has in terms of human beings are valuable and, you know, we did things wrong in the past and this is the right way to do things. Who says right and wrong when exactly. you believe that you're just the uh, random result of mutations from bacteria to fish to some kind of other land creatures moving your way to African apes and here you are. So here's all these smuggled in Christian assumptions and presupp positions like human beings have value dignity and worth and truth matters and we should pay attention to facts and evidence and those sorts of things we're like well wait 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 just wait a tick uh that's not atheism at least it's not consistent with atheism it is consistent with a christian view of the universe which you've adopted you've co-opted that position and you're smuggling those presuppositions in which do not belong to the atheist you might want to value human beings uh, Dr. Krauss, you might say that I'd like to value human beings because I'm a human being myself. And what I want to say is, well, there's a lot of other creatures in this world that don't value you like you value you. Who's to say that you're more valuable than the snail or the horse <laughs> or the tarantula yeah. or the rock or the dog or the sea gunk? Right. I mean, you got lots of stuff <laughs> living cook. on the surface of the sea. You know, you have all kinds of things that are alive. And, you know, what's more valuable, you or them? There's a lot of people today that think that human beings, we should just start killing off our offspring because we've got way too many dang humans in this right. world. Right. Six billion humans is more like one billion we need. So if you're going to have kids, you got to kill those kids because we've got far too many human beings in the world today. And we've got other things in this world that need our affection and our protection protection and you know for some people in their minds and this seems so crazy but it's the truth before god and you know it you've heard it i think i would think you have at this point there are people that think that trees are more valuable than humans mm -hmm. there are people that think that and what's your debate with them as an atheist that's a random result of evolutionary processes just like this bag of stuff so who's to say that it that i'm more valuable than it just because I am a human being doesn't mean that I get to make that decision. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the cosmic emperor of the universe. I'm not the ultimate standard. I'm one bag of biological stuff in a universe full of a lot, of a lot of other biological stuff. Who's to say that I get to make that determination? Human privilege. Human privilege. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Happens to be white human privilege, right? The trees or, are going to come for us one day. Yeah, that's we'll right. Like, well, hmm? well, there's an outworking and a, and a logical end to. The, uh, that that explanation of the origins of the universe being chaotic, and that is, uh, we need to exercise the utmost amount of control possible over it. And so that's where you have an enlarged secular state full of all these competing worldviews in which a few people just impose the morality on them to keep everybody in check and try to keep everybody happy, but in the end, it just leads to maximum control because there is no... Um, and there is no cosmic judgment. There is no cosmic justice. Uh, there is no ultimate ought. And so it's just all about control now, raw control and whoever can get in power to seize the most of it. And that's all that that worldview leads to is mm. just destruction. Ultimately, it, it ends up destroying itself and the power. Um, those who have the power end up destroying the powerless. That's right. That's right. Okay, here we go. More guys. Look, that's that's only twenty two seconds in. We may I have had to say something about no, that because no, that's... no, no, no. Don't you know? F feel free to go ahead and stop. But it's funny because there's just so, here. My point in saying that is there's so much to actually engage with here. There's so much to unpack and to expose. When I said atheism is stupid, I'm not just trying to just get a rise out of people. I mean atheism is stupid in the classical sense it refuses correction it refuses self-examination it's stupid it's foolishness um as a world view it um it just truly is so here let's get some more of it so to what is religion because if and there wasn't religions wouldn't be everywhere right i mean pretty well all human cultures have religions each one is inconsistent with every other one right but which is the reason we know that they're probably all wrong but <laughs> well, well, we'll answer that nice. too. Now, from a Christian, again, uh, the a smuggled an assumption like right and wrong matters. Yeah. 
it doesn't matter according to your perspective mr kraus you can desire it to matter all you want but you have just sounds coming out of this evolutionary uh, this random result of evolution uh coming from a three pound brain in your head that's firing chem biochemical responses and that is truly what it is and there are atheists that are honest enough to admit that today to say you know there's just stuff happening in my brain i have no real control over it's just biochemical responses there's no necessarily right or wrong so here's that smuggled in assumption but the christian world has an answer for that why do image bearers of god throughout history have a conception of god and even at times a distorted conception of god or gods and paganism and all the rest we would say because they're all made in the image of the same god and, and they're his, all going to worship something they're all going to worship because they <laughs> yeah. are created to worship the true and living god but because the world has fallen and broken we would confess to that absolutely because it's not quite the way that it was supposed to be human beings refer uh, refuse to worship the one and only true and living god yes. and they exchange him for something that looks like him mm -hmm. but truly yes absolutely throughout human history human beings image bearers of god have all been involved and engaged in worship now we can make sense of that according to a christian worldview and human beings suppressing the truth of god and unrighteousness like you're doing dr kraus um but you really can't according to your worldview because what one african ape does in this version of human history you have is irrelevant it's morally irrelevant it's intellectually irrelevant it's logically irrelevant there's no right or wrong or rhyme or reason it's just what happens to be and you can't chastise other african apes because they decide to worship a stone there's no wrong in that according to your perspective because there's no ultimate standard of what is right in the world joy you got something to say no, nope. got it. Okay. <laughs> you said it, Pastor. It works. The fact that it's universal must mean there's some evolutionary utility to the believing. But then certain things eventually, even though they worked and were useful early on, as our human condition changes, they may not be so useful. Well, that seems to be the place where we're at now yeah. as a civilization. Exactly. I, I would argue that religion is turning out to be counterproductive now. It may have been useful early on in hum human history, but now what it's doing is it's getting in the way not only of progress, but of, of human cooperation. And this is amazing. I've got to say something about that. <coughs> you, know, go, you go ahead. I'll let you I was just going to say, so what's being articulated here is enlightenment rationalism also, which in the 17th century, man was seeking to make all of the areas of life, which previously as Christians were articulating for so long we're all under god's authority christ's authority you can do these things apart from christ you couldn't do meaningful science um apart from uh, having god as the foundation of it because it doesn't make sense without him this is where in as a part of the enlightenment man was seeking to alienate god from all of these different areas of life and so when you hear lawrence krauss talking about how religion is now counterproductive why well how so well now uh, we have science and we have technology and we've made all these advancements in medicine and all these things. Now these become what saves us. We don't look to stone age deities anymore to save us. Now our savior is technology. Now our savior is uh, the scientific method, right? Now our savior has become our advancements in medicine and all these things that we know now that we didn't then that religion put shackles on us before. And when we transcended that and segregated God from all these fields, that allowed us to use our reason in order to realize that mm. because God was the enemy of reason. He was the enemy of rational man. And so humanistic neutral principles where God is uh, divorced essentially from these fields like science, where again, it makes no sense to do physics. It makes no sense to rely on motion or energy or any of those principles of the universe if they're not orderly part of a system repeatable testable able to be measured able to be you know repeated all those things it, it doesn't make sense without god but yeah. when he says uh, we don't need religion anymore it's counterproductive this is the worldview at the bottom of this it's 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 enlightenment thinking it's it's rationalistic thinking um and it's it's, I mean, it's evil. <laughs> there, there really is only right. two worldviews. And the, the other yeah. one that isn't the biblical worldview at the bottom is what the Apostle Paul describes as um, the Gentiles who are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. When we say atheism 
is um, stupid. It's foolish in the sense of why men are ignorant apart from God is because they have hard hearts that hate God. Their ignorance comes from their hardness of heart. Right. right. Well, and I think that um, his characterization of religion here is kind of an oversimplification. He sees it as sort of like a past um, pre-enlightenment era superstition people, that people used to um, like explain why the sun would rise and go down and basically that everything was going to be okay because God, like we needed to know everything was going to be okay because we didn't know about yeah. things like astronomy and theoretical physics and things like that. Um, but it's, that's really not, first of all, that, you know, that lumping all religion together, um, is a simplification yeah. in and of itself. But also, um, that's not in terms of the religion increasing fitness, even if you just look at, uh, Christianity and, uh, people who worship the true God and who believe in the Bible, um, it certainly did nothing to create, like, to increase our fitness and our ability to live because I can't even, I can't even tell you how many, many, many people died for this superstitious belief. Yeah. It didn't help them. It wasn't just like, oh, well, I just need to know everything's going to be okay because I'm just stupid and I'm from before the 1900s and I don't know what I'm doing and maybe one day we'll have electricity. Like it's just, it's just not even, it's not even an intelligent way to look at the way things are. And, and certainly, um, I'd like to point out that historically speaking, this issue, um, is something that has always happened. There have always been people who suppress the truth, truth and unrighteousness. There was not a time just because people used to be quaint and not know what space was. Right. <laughs> like it doesn't mean that people weren't haters of God or slaves for him like right yeah so it's just i don't know it's they're having an interview it's fine if he doesn't get all the details but this is i've heard a lot i've heard uh i've been to a lot of origins projects events and it's can we go to one together do we go to the the documents together do you go that with us yeah yeah we went to that one together yeah yeah there's a few that i've been to at gamage and um it's all you'd think that going into like a symposium of a bunch of atheists, it would be this like scientific and <laughs> blackboards and everything, but right. it's all just the same like reductive, yeah, like uh, making fun of Christians Cheering each and other stuff on. like that. Right? It, there wasn't really any, and I'm not even it's just saying. Rally. I went legitimately to say, yeah, to be like, okay, I want to hear your, yeah, your hard hitting scientific arguments and. They, I just never heard any. Right. And that's, uh, hashtag we're talking nerd. about multiple events put on by the Origins Project. I think they did, at the time, they were doing like two a year or so. Mm-hmm. And there were years where I went to one every year, where I went to one of their things, and mm-hmm. I was like, here's your moment. Yep. And it never Give it happened. To me. <laughs> uh, I would boil it all down to, to this. I mean, what he's articulating is man needed religion, needed gods in order to be saved. Now what he's saying is, we can save ourselves with mm-hmm. all of these right. things. Mm-hmm. We don't need to rely on these idols anymore because our gods are superior. Yeah. And let me just say also, when Krauss makes this comment of religion being outdated and it's counterproductive. Now, guys, come with me on this one now. If you guys were uh, getting mellow-headed there for a moment, I want you to just try to check back in with me for a second because this is important. When Krauss makes these kind of ignorant anti-historical claims um they need to be confronted they just need to be confronted you see these audacious bold claims made by these popular atheists many many times uh and if you just don't know history then you just aren't thinking and considering and like how irrational that is the institutions and the history that gave kraus his degree and his perspective were developed by Christianity, by the Christian worldview. And that is a fact of history. It cannot be ignored. So when he says like, it's counterproductive today, it's like, well, you mean the worldview that gave you the, <laughs> right. the nation that you're in, it gave you the ideas that you hold to that are just very good ideas? Um, you mean the worldview that developed the world in the way that it is now because of the Christian worldview? It's watch this, it's, here's the thing. It's not an accident of the Christian worldview. It's not just happenstance that the Christian worldview developed uh, Oxford, Cambridge, Yale, 
Harvard, all the rest. It's not an accident. Like it just happens to be the case that those institutions were created by Christians on the basis of the Christian worldview as Christian institutions to spread the gospel. It's not an accident that science was given rise. Modern science was given rise out of that. It's because explicitly of the Christian worldview. When you look at Isaac Newton and all of the things that he was doing when he was appealing to the Christian worldview in terms of all the work that he was doing and pointing to Bible verses, that's what get, that's what grounded his discovery. And when you look at all the Christians in history, the famous Christian scientists, not the cult, but the real Christian scientists in history that gave us what we have today in terms of technology and modern medicine and all the rest, it's not an accident of the Christian worldview that we got all of that. It was directly derived from it, even down to really interesting stories. I, I actually think this is one of those like, oh, that's funny. Like, that's that's really <laughs> cool. Like, you wouldn't think like, you think it'd be deeper than that, but it is the guy who created anesthesia. Like, that's an amazing story. Like, hey, guess what, guys? We get to get knocked out now for like very serious surgeries. Why? Oh, uh, just a little thing called the book of Genesis. Because what happened was, is uh-huh. this guy was realizing, it's like, going. it's horrible to watch these people go through this torture. Like, we're just giving them whiskey and stuff. <laughs> They're alive and well and awake during these operations that are extraordinarily painful. It's horrible to watch other human beings suffer in this way. But hey, if whiskey's what we got, or these other medicines is what we got, then it's what we got. Like, what else are we going to do? And so this guy is reading his Bible, doing his devotional. He's, a, he's in medicine, and he reads the book of Genesis, and he's like, this is interesting. When God is doing this massive surgery on Adam, Adam's not awake while God's removing the rib. God puts a deep sleep over Adam to perform this surgery and to remove his rib. Now, if God knocks a guy out to remove his rib and we're just cutting him open while they're like wide awake, (laughs) he's like, then we should probably try to do what God does. Now, I find that watch, I find that so, I find that so amusing because who comes to that conclusion based off a text in the Bible? So it's like even little things like, hey, Lawrence Krauss, not only have you benefited from the Bible, the Christian worldview, for everything that you're doing now in terms of physics because of the Christians who gave it to you and the Christian institutions that gave it to you, but hey, how about this? If you ever have to have something removed, you need to also praise God for that, Dr. Krauss, because it's because of a Christian, uh, a person in medicine who saw in this biblical account of what God did when he t- did a surgery on somebody that he said, we need anesthesia. So praise God for anesthesia and specifically praise God for the book of Genesis and that narrative for anesthesia. It's just, mm-hmm. I can keep that's going. Powerful. We can go all day long on this stuff, but that's the kind of thing that we experience today is we just don't even thank God for these blessings. We don't even think like, oh, it's no big deal. Counterproductive? How about the basis of everything that you have today is because of Christianity? Mm-hmm. Counterproductive? It's what gave it to you. And so evolution is now um, is now counterproductive. But the great thing is we have we have a consciousness, we have an intellect, so we can actually overcome that evolutionary predilection by realizing we have that predilection. And as, as Feynman said, the the easiest person to fool is yourself. So if you're oh, is that interesting? Ever true? Oh boy, is that ever are true? You are you talking that? about are you talking about sinful self-deception? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Oh boy, is that ever true, Doctor Krause? This is the point where we're all say a yay and amen to that. Absolutely. But okay, but let's just talk real fast. This is this is critical, and and this might feel like it's kind of deep for some people, but please don't do that to yourself because this is a very actual simple concept. When you have a person like Lawrence Krauss, who's, who's a materialist, he believes, he's an atheist who believes that all there is in the material realm, the observable universe, he doesn't believe in something transcendent, something that transcends the physical universe and the material realm. He doesn't believe that. It doesn't comport with his worldview. So when he starts talking about consciousness, you got to challenge him on that. You don't just, you don't get to borrow that from us and just use it as a sword against us. I'm sorry, I'm going to stop you there and I'm going to take that. So you stop wielding it against the Christian worldview. Consciousness? Or intellect. Even. Intellect? Yeah. In atheism? Are you talking about that three pound uh, piece of matter that is firing chemical responses that's that's causing you to spew the thoughts and and and, and say the words that you are? Like that kind of consciousness? Like where can I weigh this consciousness? Is it transcendent? Is it immaterial or material? The thoughts and uh, the laws of logic you're appealing to, these concepts that you're appealing to, 
Are those material in nature or are those immaterial? Because according to your worldview, if it's not material, if I can't observe it, then it's not real, it's not true. So are these concepts material in nature or are they immaterial in nature? And does, can something be immaterial in nature and be true and real? How do you examine something like that? When someone says, well, you write it down on a piece of paper, that's what you do. Well, that's the physical representation of the concept, but the concept is outside of that. It's immaterial. It's not something that's in front of me, actually. It's something mm -hmm. that's immaterial. The thoughts, the reasoning processes, the laws of logic you're appealing to are not made of matter. You cannot weigh a law of logic. You cannot put it under a microscope. You can't ask what color is a law of non-contradiction because all of us recognize that those universal and unchanging invariant laws of logic that exist in Iceland and in Arizona, those things are immaterial in nature. And somehow, interestingly, they're universal in nature, right? Like if I say right now, um, um, it is the case that my keys are in my pocket and it's not the case that the keys are in my pocket, right? You go, that's a logical contradiction. Hey, and guess what? That logical contradiction is illogical in Iceland too. Mm -hmm. How come? Is that a universal law? Is that something that exists outside of nature that all of us must appeal to? For example, none of us were sitting in the room with you when you did this podcast with Joe Rogan and you're trying to appeal to universal laws of logic and standards of thinking in this uh, podcast in this room in the studio I assume in California so. with Joe Rogan yeah. um, so do the laws of logic you're appealing to uh, Dr. Krauss do those appeal do those actually work as well in Phoenix Arizona or is it just in the studio with Joe Rogan and if you say no they're they're universal okay they're universal so they exist everywhere at all times well uh, they're concepts that we've developed as creatures oh so what you're suggesting is that African apes... So like religion. Yeah, like exactly. Like the pre-enlightened <laughs> religion. Yes, there you go. There's See the this? conflict. Guys, we could keep going with this. So what you're saying is African apes developed a system of thinking in terms of rationalism and logical thought. African apes had a consensus as a group that determined, we say this is the standard of laws of logic. Fantastic, because if that's the basis of laws of logic that African apes who are descendants of bacteria said this is the standard, then a hundred years from now, some group somewhere can develop their new laws exactly. of logic where they say it's perfectly acceptable for you to contradict yourself and you ought to do it. And you have no basis to argue with them if there's more of them than you or if there's five of them against you because your standards don't hold any weight over their standards because it's just the random mutations of evolutionary processes coming up together with thoughts and decrees that really are insignificant and meaningless ultimately. And that this happens at the beginning of the interview when he's talking with Joe Rogan about like uh, gauge something or other, I can't remember the term, and he goes on to explain the concept in exactly that way humans define things arbitrarily there you go right and then he goes on to make a statement like this the universe designed itself to be arbitrary <laughs> like are you kidding me like okay so the universe which is an immaterial entity designed a material material entity uh, sorry the universe a, yeah yeah a material yeah, entity a designed itself to be arbitrary so <laughs> the purposeful construction of the self-created universe was so that it would be inherently arbitrary. It has a mind. Now, does that work in right. your life? Is that how you live? Do mm. you live like this self-created designing universe created you as arbitrary? I mean, I realize that he's trying to do that and defining things however he wants to, but when it comes down to you know serious things in his life, like morality, getting paid, his checks, all those things, like those things start to matter and things aren't arbitrary anymore. That's right. That's right. And uh, here we go. Let's keep moving. More on this. Scientists, what you have to do is ask yourself, am I believing that because I want to believe or because there's evidence? So if we constantly are, are skeptical of ourselves, we can know to overcome that ingrained impulse we have to want to believe. That's one of the utilities of science. So I may listen to you and like you, and I may listen to another radio person and not like them, and I may be therefore naturally willing to assume that they're wrong and you're right. Mm. But I should also say to myself, is it really the case or is it just because I like Joe Rogan and I don't like, you know, you pick your favorite right-wing nut, okay? Right. And, and, and so we should be asking ourselves, okay, maybe I should go beyond my predilections, beyond my biases, to ask, 
why I am sympathetic to what I'm hearing. There's some truth in that mm-hmm. in terms of challenging yourself and examining some, whether something's actually true or not, or it's just that you want to believe it. So we'd say, yes, that's important to do. We all need to examine ourselves and the beliefs that we have and say, is it actually true? But once again, there's the smuggled assumption that truth matters and we ought to try to pursue ultimate truth. But also this, this terminology that keeps coming up, I hope you guys are catching it. Have you heard how many times he said should be, should be, ought to, we should be, yeah. ought to, should be? Like there's some kind of standard that all of us must sort of get to. Like we should do this. Says who? Lawrence well, Krauss? We should all be as smart as Lawrence Krauss. We're not <laughs> stupid, with, riddled with superstition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that really is what he's saying. Right. Like he's a, he's a smart dude, but like he, he legitimately just thinks he's smarter than you. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately what it comes down to. He doesn't think he's the only one that's that smart. Right, right. That's true. He wants you to get on his level. That's right. And should be, should be, should be is getting us to a standard that exists um, outside of Kraus. What we all ought to be doing, should be doing. Where's that standard come from? Where's that ultimate standard come from? Is it because Lawrence Krauss says so? Who says I have to listen to Lawrence Krauss? He's another random result of evolutionary processes. Why do I have to listen to him? Is there some standard outside of him we're all supposed to be standing on? That's the yes, question. Lawrence Krauss. Lawrence Krauss's standard. <laughs> That's right. And if we did that in everyday life, I think we, we'd cut through the crap more carefully. So science says, look, we are hardwired to want to have these weird beliefs. And it's fine. Like atheism? Maybe some of them are right. But the only way to know is to test them. Ah, test them, test them, test them. Science, testing, science and testing. Here's another smuggled in Christian assumption that he only has in the way that he does because of all that Christianity and the biblical worldview gave to the world. Um, Yes, all of these great academic institutions, while today they've fallen off, they were developed not as an accident of the Christian worldview, explicitly to promote the Christian worldview. Harvard, Yale, Oxford, Cambridge. I love the fact that some of these scientists, these atheists who are going to teach at say Cambridge or Yale or uh, Oxford, I love that they have to walk under uh, <laughs> yeah, under right. a precipice Always. that says like greater the works of the Lord or something like that. I love that while they're teaching in this these academic institutions, they have to walk under Bible verses and things like that because those are the remnants of what gave it to you. But let's just examine this just quickly. I'll say it quickly as possible. When he says examine, observe, test, science, those sorts of things, the scientific method has a basis to it in terms of observation and testing. And what is that? That the universe can be studied, that it can be depended upon, that's orderly, that's orderly, that there's something called the principle of induction. Now, don't let it throw you guys, just think about it. The principle of induction is simply this, that the future, will be like the past, that past experiences or future experiences are going to be congruent with past experiences. So there is a testability to this universe because we have the principle of induction. But I'm not going to be the first person to say to a guy like Lawrence Krauss that you've got to have a justification for that. You can't just throw it out there and say, I get to have this. I mean, you've got guys like David Hume that's offered serious reputation on the principle of induction. You've got famous atheists like Bertrand Russell and his book, Problems in Philosophy, that he's written on the principle of induction. And they will argue, and they're not even coming from a Christian worldview. They'll argue like, hey, this principle of induction in an orderly universe and uniformity, the very basis of literally every single thing that you will do in your life today, down to brushing your stinking teeth and putting your feet on the floor when you get out of bed, to launching astronauts into space. All of it is based on the principle of induction. And these men would tell you, Bertrand Russell will tell you, and guess what you don't get to do? You don't get to just assume it. He's like, I want a basis for saying the future will be like the past. And he goes, and if you say to me, well, in the past, it was always that way. He will say, I'm taking that away from you because that's not what I asked you. I want to know why the next five seconds, the next 20 minutes, the next 20 years, I can depend upon the principle of induction and that there is repeatability, uniformity in nature, and that the future will be like the past. And you can't go on appealing to past experience because we don't know that the future will be like the past because this is a chaotic, disorderly universe with no God above it. And there's no basis to say that the future will be like the past. Now watch. How come people believe the future will be like the past? Well, of course, because they live in that uniform universe. But what justification do they have for the future being like the past, specifically in these scientific and academic institutions? Well, lo and behold, 
It was the Christian worldview and these Christian academic institutions that created all of this major advancement in modern science. And why? Because we believe in the God of Scripture who governs the universe and actually sustains it all and he upholds it and carries it along to its intended destination. So there is testability, there is induction, there is uniformity in nature. There is the ability to say at 3 p.m. I'm gonna get on an airplane to go to LA and that airplane is gonna follow and be a part of the uniform laws of this universe. Like, I mean, just consider it, and I, I've used this before, but I think it's compelling. When a pilot gets into an airplane and gets behind and it gets into the cockpit, right? And that door closes and it's like, you're ready to take off. That pilot's not going, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know what the laws of physics are today. Like it could be a whole new deal today. Like would anybody get in the airplane with that pilot? No, like that pilot is getting in the airplane and he's studied. This is how wind works. And this is how this plane gets up into the sky. And this is how thrust is going to push me. And this is how I have to turn this way. He knows based upon past experience that the future will be like the past, but he has to have a justification for it ultimately. And what we're saying is, is you don't get science and uniformity and airplanes flying to Tokyo without ultimately the Christian God and the Christian worldview. Now, that's not to say that we don't have atheist pilots. We do. We have atheist pilots who live by faith. They live by faith. And that's critical because all of this borrowing from the Christian worldview has got to be confronted. If we're not willing to test our beliefs and subject them to the, the test of nature, then, then we're going to be deluded. And that's the problem with, the, 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 with a lot of what's happening in our government. People saying, you know what, I really want to believe in this absurd story. And therefore, I refuse to accept evolution. If you're, the if you're Mike Pence, the vice president of the country, you say, I don't believe evolution because it doesn't agree with my ridiculous fundamentalist ideas. <laughs> ridiculous, fundamentalist. Tell where he stands. Ah, I think we know where he stands, right? And, and, and Mike Pence, get on my level. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's, That's right. all he wants is for everyone to be as smart as him. Yeah. yeah. And he, yeah. he, says, he says something interesting too. We have to test all things by nature. As somehow nature is the arbiter uh, the mechanism by which we test everything, right? Well, because the universe created it, designed itself. Right. And so if... So we should put our trust in the designer. Right. The creator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if the scientific method is your arbiter or that which you use to find out what truth is, um, and you say that's the only way we can know anything is by exercising the scientific method. Well, how did you come to that conclusion? Mm -hmm. It wasn't by using the scientific method. That's right. <laughs> it was right. by taking on faith that that method mm -hmm. is superior to anything else. Like, right. For example, revelation, God's yeah. revelation. Yeah, what justification do you have for it? What meaningful, coherent justification do you have for the scientific method? And don't tell me because it's always worked in the past because that's not what's being asked of you. We're talking about justification for future appeals to uniformity, which is the very basis of all the scientific method. And so that's critical. He said that in Congress, right? He said we shouldn't be teaching evolution in schools. We should be intel teaching intelligent design. And... And why? Because he, he, it, it, it offends his personal faith. Perhaps. Like yours, <laughs> Dr. Krause? It might also be a political ploy. It might be, uh, I think, he knows that a large percentage of the country finds comfort it, it in a leader be. that subscribes to the same sort of superstitions that they do. Y yeah, I, 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 that could be. I, he did this before he was in a national office. He was a congressman. I suspect he did it. It sounds like he believed it, but you're he right. Might. He it, might. You're, who knows? Right. But... Uh, but the point is that we 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 should realize that the only that that we shouldn't listen to that kind of nonsense. Right. Because shouldn't nonsense says who for African apes should do something ultimate standards nonsense. There's nothing nonsensical in an atheistic universe. I mean, there isn't. And as soon as you start appealing to, no, there, there are things that are nonsense. You're appealing to an ultimate standard and something that's outside of yourself and outside of the material. And that's just, it too, there's too much borrowing happening here. And this is, this is the struggle with Christianity developing culture and society is you get people ultimately maybe hundreds of years later when there's a demise of that society that are very ungrateful. <laughs> we may not want, because there are a lot of people in this country who do think that evolution directly confronts their belief in God or the Big Bang 
directly confronts their belief in God, and therefore they don't want their children to learn about that. But what an awful thing to do to your children, to withhold evidence about how the world really works, because, you know, you don't have to believe in the Big Bang, but it really happened. You don't have to believe in evolution, but it happened. It's like Philip K. Dick said, the, the, the science fiction writer, reality is that which continues to exist whether or not you believe in it. Yeah. Okay? And so... <laughs> so much stuff. I'm like, how, yeah, how do you know what's real? Yeah. How do you know? How yeah. do you know that you can trust your senses? How do you know that? How do mm -hmm. you know that your senses aren't lying to you mm -hmm. every time you go out and use them? How can you be sure? How can you have any level of certainty that everything you experience is not just an illusion? Mm -hmm. You have no way of verifying or cross-referencing yourself mm -hmm. when it comes to that, unless you have something or someone speaking to you from outside of your own system to tell you that. Who is the ultimate. That's right. That's right. And so I will say this, though. I don't want intelligent design taught to our young people. I want creation as taught by the Christian God yes. taught to our young people. I don't want a neutral view of intelligent design taught to children. That's yeah. right. Just exactly. a side note. Yeah, just well, and, a side I'm not, note. and I'm also, I, and I don't think most of the people I know are opposed to teaching their kids what evolution is and what the Big Bang is. Mm -hmm. um, and then they would make a distinction on which one actually happened, mm -hmm. which is also exactly what Lawrence Krauss would do. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I don't think anyone, like his him suggesting that people just want to keep their kids from stuff that might challenge their view, I don't think anybody said that. They just said intelligent design even though we would have an issue with that should be taught alongside right the evolutionary theory yeah equal footing kind so of thing. Yeah. i mean which whatever yeah but the point is is <laughs> right. he like at nobody this just goes along with his like superstitious narrative the sky is falling type of thing like they just don't they don't want their kids to hear it because they're afraid that if they hear about the big bang they won't believe in god that's, but that's not really true. Yeah, I taught my kids about evolution, and they laugh <laughs> at the idea that human beings, um, that it's even scientific, uh, or that is scientifically appealing, the idea that human beings came from bacteria. That, that the fact that we know, this is in terms of evidence, the fact that we, we can dig down into the lowest parts of human life and look at the complexity and the machinery and the design and the DNA, the information in DNA, information in dna again this is critical to get in terms of the material we go oh, the dna chain we have all of this evidence of information through the dna chain it's like information in the dna chain it's like writing it's like writing down information on a piece of paper right or on a menu right that information on the menu is the physical representation of the information and concept behind it Mm -hmm. So you can't say, well, there, there's information in DNA chain. Yeah, it is extraordinarily complex. And if you knock out a few letters, you don't get life. That chain is long and complex and it is detailed and it is, of course, intelligent. But guess what? It's just like a menu. It's just like a menu. When you go into a restaurant and you open a menu up and it says chicken, steak, hamburger, you recognize that the information on the page is not the thing. It's a physical <laughs> representation of the information that exists outside of the menu, right? And the same thing for the DNA chain. You've got the material realm DNA chain that has information encoded into it, but guess what? It's just like the menu. It's information being reflected about something outside of itself. That information is detailed and real and it's transcendent. My children learn that stuff too. And my children think it's hilarious that human beings like Lawrence Krauss would believe that he's a descendant of bacteria and he thinks he can do science. Or he thinks, as an example, what an awful thing to do to your children. Awful? Well, now we're getting into morality, Professor Krauss. There are awful things you can do to children. Like what? Like, would you say teaching? Why them is it more awful to do something to to subject something to a child than to an adult? That's right. Mm -hmm. I, I want to know. Lots what's of questions. <laughs> I want to know what's awful to do to a child in an atheistic perspective. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying atheists as image bearers of God are just trying to hurt their children. I don't believe that for a moment right. because they're made in the image of God and they know the value, dignity, and worth that's in their child. They live in God's world. They're just suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. But I want to know, according to atheism, what's awful to do to a child. You're saying things like even teaching them something wrong is awful. How about beating them? 
How about abusing a child and victimizing a child? Is that awful to do to a child? Really? For African apes to abuse their children is awful. It violates a moral standard. Here's my question. Says who? Lawrence Krauss? And maybe Lawrence Krauss says, well, no, not just me, but society has determined that you ought not hurt your children. Oh, I see. Okay, so now we're going to take the consensus view that whatever African apes, apes huddle together, whatever they come up with by decree in terms of what you shouldn't do to your children, oh, that will be the standard. Oh, was it the standard for Hitler? Have you been to the room of shoes at the Holocaust Museum? Have you been to that room of shoes at the Holocaust Museum? It'll change your life. It'll change your life when you walk through that room of shoes of all the shoes taken off all these children and all these mothers and everyone else, and they were gassed and destroyed. He didn't hold to, he didn't hold to your consensus, Dr. Krauss. He didn't hold to that consensus about those bags of protoplasm. He thought they were worthless and he thought it was perfectly acceptable and moral to kill them. Or how about Stalin or Pol Pot? Do we need to keep going? Like, at what point do you discover that the consensus view of morality is just bootleg and bankrupt? That if you don't have an ultimate standard outside of yourself and outside of your community, you have nothing but an arbitrary standard. So don't talk to us about awful things to do to children because we have the ultimate standard as to what is awful to do to children because we know they're made in the image of God and not just the products of random results on bacteria. You may not want to believe in it, but it happened. And and for you to withhold that kind of knowledge from your kids because you're worried it's going to affect their faith is, in my opinion, child abuse. Because... You're hindering their capabilities as an adult in a society which is highly technological to function effectively. But they're doing child abuse. Why should we function effectively in society? Child. I mean, you could push this as far as you want to. Yes. Like all, like it's it's a good thing that we ought to function effectively in society. Says who? Says who? And child abuse. He acts like it's immoral. Yeah. Now, from a Christian perspective, absolutely immoral. Yes. But child abuse for a man who believes that he's just the descendant of a fish? Like, where's that? Is it child child abuse? How? We eat fish. Well, not even the most extreme version of child abuse. We believe it's wrong to lie to your kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is what he's suggesting. Yeah. But, right. Like, how can... I'm sure he could make a pretty good, like, oh, well, it's not good for the humanity of the child to be hurt physically or emotionally. But what about lying? Mm-hmm. Right. Who says it's wrong to lie to your kid? He thinks it is. He said so. Yeah. yeah. But who says? Right. Right. Who says? Lawrence Krauss? I don't have to be listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't be listening to you. I don't, I don't have to. And again, and consider that for a moment now. Think about the chain that he is advocating for. Bacteria, fish, moving our way up the chain to African apes. At some point in our history, according to his evolutionary perspective, we were fish we climbed out of that but here's the thing does lawrence kraus eat fish today maybe probably <laughs> people eat fish today well okay like is that is that ultimately immoral because you're saying abusing children is immoral but do you eat animals or how about other life on earth you didn't any of the plants that grew like do you eat those too like isn't that abusive or should you try to preserve those things and if you select well it's children human children right now that's what we select what's an arbitrary thing you just selected one random result of evolutionary processes but you're eating the rest you're destroying them you're abusing them do you see how fundamentally flawed this is at the beginning because he doesn't have god because he doesn't have the image of god in a child because he doesn't have god's ultimate character as the standard of what is absolutely yeah. righteous and just he doesn't have anything except the borrowing from the Christian worldview and the emotional appeals that he's dragging into this that he can't justify apart from the Christian God. Because they believe it as well. I well, mean, they believe it, it's right. I'm not yeah. believing. They think they're helping their kids. But yeah. most of, uh, I don't know if you're a parent. I am. I am. We've all screwed up our kids, right? Yeah. We all do things for our kids because we think it's good for them. And, and sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. I'm not saying these people are doing it because they, they want to hurt their children. They think somehow that not believing in God makes you a bad person. Right. But there's no evidence of that. In fact, right. in fact, as Steve Weinberg, uh, who's a Nobel Prize winning physicist, has said, and I love it, he, he said, so there are good people in the world, there are bad people. Good people do good things, bad people do bad things. When good people do bad things, it's religion. 
Do you think that good things, bad things? I think we've talked a lot about that as it is. Good yeah. things and bad things. We morality pretty You hard. have no yeah. basis yeah. for saying good things and bad things. And you have no basis for criticizing any person who professes uh, a belief in God. You have no basis of criticizing them for anything that they do. All you have is arbitrary standards. And if you believed your buddy, Dr. Krauss, if you believed your friend, Richard Dawkins, in his book where he says there is no good, there is no evil, only blind and pitiless indifference, if you believed him in that moment of consistency, you wouldn't be talking the way that you are right now. However, in a world filled with image bearers of God, nobody's going to listen to you if you confess openly to the fact that atheism leaves you with no ultimate standards of morality. It's just what happens to be. Nobody would listen because image bearers of God know deep down better than that primitive man with no science trying to figure out the world and trying to have some sort of rules like almost sure. like a uh, scaffolding in yeah. order to to move to the next I mean, if you see that it exists in so many different cultures yeah that it, it might have been something along of those course lines. that way it was their effort to, it was their effort to understand the world around them based on what they knew it was noble you know they tried to understand the world and so there's nothing wrong with it but claiming that we there is something wrong with it actually Having other idols before God, there is something wrong with that. That's right. And that's actually that's right. why, uh, because of sin, is why we've had false religions. Mm -hmm. It's not because we've used it as a way to make sense of our world. Mm -hmm. um, it's because we will constantly worship something. Mm -hmm. And if we reject God, then we will worship something other than him. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a perfect... The actual explanation. All, right. All the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Right. Right. And by the way, uh, you to understand worship, um, people think about worship in terms of the music and the oh, and the worshiping. Like worship, by definition, ultimately is glory and sacrifice. It's what you glory in. It's what you give weight to, and what you sacrifice to. Glory and sacrifice. What you see is the greatest treasure. Yeah, it's the greatest treasure. It's glory and sacrifice. What you give weight to, preeminence to, and you sacrifice to. So Richard Dawkins and Lawrence Krauss and Sam Harris and Christopher Hitchens, they've all they all worship. They give glory and sacrifice to something, and it may not be the God of the Bible, but it is to something. And I think if you listen closely enough to Dr. Krauss, you can hear what he's giving glory and sacrifice to. Guided by the worldview of, of illiterate peasants in the Iron Age peasants who, who didn't know the Earth orbited the sun. Yeah. <laughs> illiterate. Who, gave, <laughs> who gave the world literacy? <laughs> Christians. Yeah, you I, know I, why? I, I, because I, they read the Bible. Yeah. And then they believed they in teaching read. other people to read. And then read. they wrote it down again. Oh, right. They weren't illiterate. Look at, <laughs> look, at, look, at, look at the descendant of all that Christianity gave them going, these illiterate peasants. And it's like, yeah, we worked really hard to rid the world of that illiteracy. Yeah. You're welcome, Lawrence Krauss. Like, yeah, yeah you, can, you can thank the all the people behind us who loved the Lord God of Israel, who had his word, that tried to rid the world of illiteracy and the missionaries to this day that go around the world to bring the gospel to people and bring the Bible to them in their language and train them to write and to read and to do mathematics. It's Christianity that gave that to you. And I love the fact that he's just dissing these bronze age but we just illiterate needed peasants. That. We just right. needed yeah. religion to just get us thing. here yeah. where we are now. But now that we have everything Christianity has given to us, we do not want her any longer. Now <laughs> we just want to go about our way and borrow everything from God without actually giving him the glory for it. And wrote down scriptures based on their beliefs at the time. They argued that that should guide our life today when we discovered 100 billion galaxies in the universe and discovered all this stuff is ludicrous. So you're absolutely right. The birth of science and religion are the same. And, and in fact, modern science grew out of religion. People point that out and they say to me, how dare you talk about religion you know, as, as being outdated. Science grew out of religion. And I say to them, well, that's fine, but children outgrow their parents, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it is such an, this is what I said when I said atheism is stupid that's what I'm talking about science grew out of Christianity because of the beliefs of Christianity because of the worldview that gave rise yeah. to that science science watch were there atheists in the first century you bet yep. second century you bet third century you bet fourth century yes all the way back had there been atheists throughout history absolutely how come science didn't grow out of atheistic communities 
hmm, thousands of years of human history, and we're not getting science growing out of atheistic communities because of the atheistic worldview. How come, I wonder, did it come out of the Christian worldview? Well, because Lawrence was never... Yeah, that's right, yeah. Because it was on the basis of the Christian worldview. It's not like we just need a divorce now. It's like that's the only reason it worked and made sense, yes. So great. No doubt. Religious ideas, and all early scientists were religious because it, it was the only game in town. Oh, please. <laughs> no, idolatry was always a game in town. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Foolishness and stupidity was always like around. That's just not even my opinion. Yeah, That's, right. That yeah. is historical fact. Yeah, yep. That's right. It's the it's the only game in town. Um, I'm sorry. That's not why science came out of uh, religion or Christianity. You couldn't be educated except the church controlled all the universities. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. The church, watch this. The church controlled all the universities. Well, what about not teaching creation science in in school? Right. Are you trying to control right the ed universities education now? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and look look at how just he speaks about it. How the church controlled the universities. Mm -hmm. Oh, you mean how the Christians sacrificed time and sweat and money to build these institutions to educate to put down illiteracy, to actually move science along on the basis of the Christian worldview and the orientation that all of us have about the King Christ himself, who actually rules and actually governs the world, like the future hope that we have to watch that history is linear and it's going somewhere. God has a telos, a goal in history that we're getting to. And the Christians who had that perspective that said, He's making all things new. He governs the world. He's going to change the world and righteousness and justice and truth and love and beauty and all these. Those Christians go. And so therefore we have to build and plant and grow and educate yes. and develop and all the rest. It's like, and atheism doesn't give you that. It's not that the Christians control the universities. <laughs> like, you know, there's this affair. They control the universities. Well, you know what else kids do to their parents sometimes? What? Sometimes they're ungrateful brats. Yeah, right. that's right. <laughs> yeah, and that's what this is about. Yeah. You want to outgrow your parents just means you want to leave behind the God that gave you what you love. Right. That that's you right. don't want him for. That's right. That's right. And so it was like the National Science Foundation of the 16th century. It's not surprising they were all religious because that's that was the only game in town. So that, that Not the only game in town. It's what brought it to you in the first place. Helped create the birth of modern science, but science outgrew it. And that's okay. Kids outgrow their parents. Thank goodness. Well, I think maybe that might help kids outgrow their parents. Why? I mean, the, the getting religion forced down your throat is one of the best ways for kids to for reject kids. it as they get older. For some kids. For some kids. Kids yeah. like you and me. But I get lots of letters. You know, we made this movie called The Unbelievers, and, and about which followed Mi Richard Dawkins and I around the world as we talked about this stuff. All right, we have an hour show there. They're actually good. We'll maybe continue another time, but I don't want to um, go too far into this. You guys get the point. I hope I hope that was really helpful to you guys. Do us a favor, tweet uh, Joe Rogan. Uh, ask him. Let's let's get a uh, let's get a time where he and I can sit down together. I think we would really enjoy ourselves. Um, I, I I so would love to communicate with Joe Rogan. I think he's excellent at doing interviews. I think we'd have a good time together. I think we talk about really meaningful and important things. And um, yeah, so just let's all put the tweet out. Let's make it happen apologia radio joe rogan podcast mix up i'll come in we'll pay our own way to sit in the studio we'll do all that stuff um and uh yeah so i think it'd be exciting to do that so cool uh everybody go to apologiastudios.com to get more get signed up for all access partner with the ministry uh be on the lookout on apologia studios channels for the upcoming broadcast of cultish the episode with lindsey davis all of the footage from that will be actually uh, video now. You'll be able to see all that. If you haven't heard it yet, go to Cultish on ApologiaStudios.com. Check out the three last episodes we did with Lindsay Davis, Defecting from Bethel. Don't forget to go to Sheologians.com and listen to Summer and Joy's podcast. And uh, don't forget to connect with uh, Zach here in uh, EndAbortionNow.com to get your church connected with uh, the 350 some odd churches around the world now who are bringing the gospel to the abortion mills, saving thousands of children and now bringing the gospel into conflict with the legislatures, demanding immediate justice for these pre-born children. So that's all for today, guys. Please continue to pray for us, and we will catch you guys... Wait, maybe not next week. We might do a live broadcast oh, and, from... In Salt Lake? Salt Lake City. Oh, wow. Oh, by the way, we're going to Salt Lake City next week. 
to go bring the gospel to general conference. So we're going to have, Lord willing, footage from that as well out there doing evangelism. We might even do some live streaming right here on this channel uh, when we do that. But for sure, um, we're going to go out there um, and, and try to bring the gospel to them. And so we may end up doing like a live broadcast from... Salt Lake City. Yeah, from our the motherland. Our evangelism <laughs> out there to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thank you all so much for listening. We love you all. Blessings to you. We'll catch you next week.